Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Thank the Lord for being here. Amen. For showing up. Amen. And I don't believe he's done yet. I want to preach this morning on this subject. Good enough grace. Good enough grace. I'll read a scripture here in just a minute. But the fact is there are very few things in life that we would be satisfied with if on the label it said good enough brand. If we just went up and we went and, you know, some of us like coffee, Ryan, pastor, if we just went to the grocery store and we we picked up that old, that, that, that full brew or half brew, whatever it is y'all fancy, and it just said, good enough coffee. If we just went to the grocery store and and we want to purchase that, I I seem to uh, reference cereal a lot in my sermons. I don't know why. Maybe that's what I grew up on. But you just go to the grocery store and and, uh, you see that that good enough brand, just good enough cereal. How many would be excited about just good enough? Uh, Not very many of us. Not very many of us would be excited about a, a, a spouse or a loved one, a relationship that's just good enough. It's not something that, that we're interested in, not something that we would be, uh, that would be appealing to us. Uh, many of us wouldn't really be interested in a job if the pay was just good enough. Now, we might be satisfied for a season, but I tell you what, in this day and age with all this inflation going on, I don't know, sometimes just a, just a job that's just good enough, that's just got good enough wages, I, I don't know, that's not something I want. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, hey, maybe I'll change jobs. Maybe I'll find something a little bit better than good enough. We don't settle for good enough. These are not things that, these are not things that are appealing to us. Things that, that grab our attention are things that are perfect or near perfect. Things that we can grab a hold of and, and know that it's going to enhance our lives or enhance our situation, enhance our circumstances, because it's better than good enough. We don't settle for these things. But if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says here, and he said unto me, this is Paul speaking, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is Paul speaking. And he wanted, he, he's having this, this back and forth conversation. And God tells him, he's complaining really, he's complained a few times. And God tells him, no, my grace is good enough for you. My grace is good enough for the situation that you're in. My grace is good enough to cover the multitude of sins that you've repented of. My grace is good enough to cover the mistakes that you've made in your life. My grace is good enough. So the question I have for us today, is God's grace good enough for you? Is God's grace good enough for you? I mentioned earlier those things that, that, that are just good enough, and, and if, or if they were just good enough, we really wouldn't want to be a part of it. And I mentioned those things because I've been in those situations. 
or I've had just a, a, a good enough job. Pastor, this morning, if you missed 10 a.m., please uh, attend our Wednesday services as Pastor finishes up this or, or continues, rather, um, this series on marriage and, and why marriage matters. But he mentioned in there the, the, the wages that he and Sister Huba had earlier on in their marriage. In their marriage. And I can connect with you on that. I mean, I remember one year we filed taxes, my wife and I, early in our marriage, and it was embarrassing how much we reported as income because we just had good enough wages. Now, God provided. And see, that's the difference between the good enough that we see in the world and the good enough that God offers. You see, the good enough that God offers, he provides. He'll make a way where there seems to be none. He'll open up a door where there seems to be no way. He'll, he'll pave a path for you to walk down with just good enough. <laughs> With just good enough grace, just good enough, sufficient grace. This is the difference between God's good enough and our good enough. We can rely on God's good enough grace. We can trust his good enough, his sufficient grace. Here in this chapter, between chapters 11 and 12 of 2 Corinthians, we see Paul defending himself against what one version of the, of the text says, these super apostles super apostles who have infiltrated the Corinthian church. And he begins to rattle off all these things that he's been through. Some things good, most bad. He talks a lot about the persecution that he faced. He talks a lot about the, the beatings and the whippings that he received. He says in one point, he says, I asked other churches to pay me more money so that I wouldn't be a burden to the Corinthian church. He says, I, I've, I've had visions. I've had revelations. You know, these, these super apostles who were coming and, and, and usurping our authority and, and really teaching another gospel and, and something that is contrary to what God has already spoken into your life. He says, I've, I've seen visions. I've, I've, I've had encounters with God. He's sort of boasting a little bit, kind of bragging. He says, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a descendant of Abraham. He says, I have lived for Christ longer than these. I've been in prison. I've experienced these things all for the glory of God. He says, on five occasions, I was, I was whipped with 39 lashes. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Three times I was shipwrecked. He says, I faced danger in cities. I faced danger in deserts, on the seas. I faced danger from both brother, from friend, and foe. I faced all these things. And he says, on top of all that, on top of all the stuff I just listed and more, not only do I have to experience those things on behalf of the Lord, but because of the position that God has placed me in, I've also stressed about the churches. There's this added stress, this added dimension of, of being a disciple and being an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said, on top of all these things, I have the stress about the church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, to keep me from becoming proud, though, I was given a thorn. I was given a thorn. And, you know, a lot has been said and theorized about what this thorn in Paul's side was. And, you know, I would even venture to say that as far as biblical mysteries go, this is probably one of the greatest mysteries. What was this thing that, that, that plagued Paul so much that he would write about it, 
to his, to his, in his letter to the Corinthian church. Some have theorized that, that maybe it was the, the fact that he always came against opposition, persistent opposition from, the, from early Jewish people and, and Jewish communities. Maybe it was a simple fact that, that these Jews rejected the gospel constantly on a persistent basis. Sometimes we, as ministers, we have the same, we have the same experience. <laughs> we preach the gospel and people reject the gospel. But we continue in it. Because this, by this gospel, by this truth being preached is how the, the soul will be saved from hell. But Paul says maybe this was, or, or maybe this was Paul's thorn, or maybe, maybe it was something less serious. Maybe it was just bad breath. Who knows? Maybe it was just bad B.O., I don't know. Maybe Paul had an extra digit somewhere. I don't know, an, an extra finger. Maybe that was a thorn. The, the fact is, we really don't know what Paul's thorn was. But one of, the, one of the most interesting theories to me, personally, is this idea that, that Paul may have been partially blind. Maybe from, a, from a, an encounter during a, a moment or a season of persecution, he lost his eyesight, which is why some of his letters are written by other people. He's in prison and he's dictating and he has others writing his letters down. Maybe it's because he was, he was partially blind. And, and, and I find it ironic that if this was his thorn, if he had a problem with his vision, that this, this man, this apostle with supernatural vision, the ability to have revelation, the ability to have an encounter with God, and, and know of things to come, be willing to, to, or be able to speak on behalf of God as God gives him understanding and as God gives him revelation. How ironic, how ironic that if this was his thorn, his, his natural vision was plagued, that he would also be the same person to have supernatural vision. I, I, I believe that God sort of has a sense of humor. Amen. He says, I'm going to show you things. Hmm. I'm going to show you things in the spiritual, but your eyesight, your natural eyesight is going to be trouble. Sometimes, sometimes it might be better for us to have less natural vision and more of a supernatural vision so that we can get our eyes off of the distractions and the things of this world. And we can, we can wholly lean on the one who was and is and is to come. We can wholly lean on the understanding that God wants to give us when, he, when and if he takes that, that natural vision away. We can focus on him. We can get our eyes off this world and focus on him. Three times, though, Paul said, I begged the Lord to take this thorn away from me. I begged the Lord, take this thorn away from me. And each time God responded, my grace is sufficient. My grace is good enough. Paul, I see your calamity. I see your disability. But my grace is good enough. Is, is God's grace good enough for you? Is God's grace all that you need? Do you feel that that's all that you need in your life to make it through, to endure, to sustain, to maintain, to continue fighting the good fight of faith, to run with patience the race that is so easily or that is set before us? Is God's grace good enough for you? Is his grace good enough for you? I find it powerful. What a powerful notion that all on three occasions when Paul asked God to take this thorn away from him, he makes note, he makes note that God actually responded. See, we need to understand God cares about us. He cares about the things that we're going through. 
He cares about the, the troubles and the details of our lives. He cares about us. How great it is that not only does he add his grace, but he adds his attention to our needs. He adds his focus, his attention, and, and his heart to what ails us. But then we, when he gives us a response, like, my grace is sufficient, my grace is good enough, how would we respond? Would we take that and say, God, I, I need something a little bit more than just good enough grace. <laughs> I need something a little bit more than just my grace is sufficient. God, I need you to, I need you to just perform a miracle like right here, right now. Like open up these blinded eyes and, 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 and take away this pain that I feel in my back. Take away this emotional distress that I feel. God, take away these things that I'm struggling with. I need more than just good enough grace. Yes. Is that your answer? Or will you answer and say, God, yes. I'm going to take glory in my infirmities. <laughs> Thank you, God, for your good enough grace. Thank you, God, for your sufficient grace. Thank you, God, for the fact that you love me. And out of your love comes your grace that covers me and keeps me and protects me and guides me and shields me. Thank you, God, for your good enough grace. You see, his grace possesses unfailing strength. His grace is all we need. Again, Paul is heard throughout chapters 11 and 12 saying, I'm not going to boast. It's funny. If you read the text, a couple times he makes known. He says, I'm not going to boast. I've been through all these things. I've, I've, I've had revelations, but I'm not going to boast. I've been beaten a few times, but I'm not going to boast. I didn't ask you for any offering, but I'm not going to boast. But then the biggest boast comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Look at this. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Another version says it this way. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. Mm. How many of us respond well to insults? Not very many of us. About ready to shake somebody, they insult you. About ready to shake somebody, they step on your feet. You're right. You get in trouble. But he says, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties. Another version says it this way. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And the point I'm trying to make here is that God uses weak people. You see, we've got an upside down understanding. Well, well, I, I, I could say it like this. The Bible's understanding of weakness is upside down because it's not in, in our ability to carry loads that determines our strength. But it's in our ability to be abased. It's in our ability to be humbled. It's in our ability to be a martyr for Christ, to be a witness for Christ. It's in our ability to say, God, not me, Lord, you be glorified. God, not me, Lord, but you be lifted up high. God, not my name be, 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 be perpetuated in all the world, but God, your name be perpetuated in all the world. God, not me, but you. God, humble me, put me under you. Why? So that as I decrease, he shall increase. This is what we need. This is the understanding we have to have when it comes to spiritual matters. We have to be willing to be weak in order to be strong. 
Now this is a paradox because to make yourself weak requires, actually requires a great deal of strength. <laughs> hmm. Because what's our, what's our natural response when, when things come against us? Now I got it. You want to fight me? I got it. I can handle it. Right? What happens when, when, we, when we run into financial woes? I got it. I go get two or three jobs. Miss church in the process. Miss fellowship with the brethren in the process. I got it, God. I can, t- I can take care of it. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes there might be a season for you to, to, to go out and do that. But to what, to what end? You say, I got it, God. Why don't you let God get it? Why don't you say, God, I don't got it, but I know you do. God, I don't have it, but I know you do. My life is in your hands. You take care of it, God. I cast all my cares on him. Whatever the care is, healing for the body. Amen. Mental stability. I cast all my cares on you, God. You take care of it. I don't got it, God. I need your good enough grace to cover me in this moment. I need your sufficient grace to cover me in this moment because I know that your good enough is better than anything this world can offer. I know that your good enough is more powerful, more potent, more impressive than anything this world can offer. You see, Paul doesn't boast in his strength. He boasts in his weakness. Thank God for a thorn. (laughs) Thank God for a thorn. Thank God for some good old-fashioned hurt. Oh, man. Now, I know we we have a different idea today about 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 hurt and pain. We, you know, we make the mistake of thinking that, you know, once we once we become a a follower of Christ, that everything is just going to be hunky dory and peaches and cream. Man, that's you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Now, I will tell you this. This is the greatest life, the best life, the most mm, the most fun I've ever had in life when I decided to give my life to Christ. This is the best life, but let me tell you something else. If you, if you don't believe that you're going to have some stuff come against you, if you don't believe you're going to have some forces of darkness come against you, let me tell you something else, then you're not really in the church. You see, the enemy don't pay attention to people who are like him. But when you decide to say, no, nah, I'm going to go against the grain, I'm going to shift a little bit, I'm going to go the other way, I'm going to walk towards Christ, I'm going to walk away from the world, you're going to have some opposition. You're going to have some people in your life that you're going to run into. You're going to have some things that you're going to need to get over. Literally, get over it. You're going to have to climb over it. And guess what? God gives us a way. He gives us some some strength. He gives us a step. And it's all in his good enough grace. He says, my grace is good enough. My grace is sufficient to lift you up. My grace is sufficient to cover you. My grace is sufficient to bless you. My grace is good enough. My grace is good enough. People make the mistake. They get to the point. They get a little opposition. They get a little, a little barrier in their life. A little, a little, hmm. Compared to the power that God has given you, that little wall in your way, I mean, it's just like a, oh, okay, all right. But sometimes we make our walls bigger than they need to be. 
because we don't understand, we don't realize that we're already standing above the issue. This step that you're standing on, this is the grace. This is the power of God. This is the anointing of God. This is the calling of God. So your problems are already leveled. All you've got to do is say, okay, God, I see the issue. I'm going to step over it. I'm going to literally get over myself. I'm going to get over my problem. I'm going to get over my situation. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. My God. But see, they get to this point sometimes, and we, we get to this point, and we, 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 we do one of two things. We either stop trusting him, and we stop moving forward because we run into a little bit of a opposition, and we just we, we become stagnant. We don't go backwards. But we also don't go forward, which is worse. Which is worse. Jesus said, I would rather you be hot or cold. Not lukewarm. You see, in this, in this spot, you just stop and you sit and you, you begin to rot. Mm. The chaos waters begin to settle in. That, 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 that flower that, that had the potential to bloom in your life begins to begin to wither away. There's a such thing as overwatering. Hmm. You stay still long enough, you get overwatered with the, with the troubles and the turmoil and the chaos of this world. You begin to rot out. So they do that. They, they either they stand here and begin to rot out, or they turn around. And they go the other way. They say, no, mm -mm. I can't get over that problem. I can't. God's grace is not good enough to help me through this issue. God's grace is not good enough to, to lift me up over this problem. God's grace is not good enough to lift me up over this mistake I made. So rather than try, rather than even, rather than even attempt, rather than even have any faith, I'm just going to do an about face and go the other way. Man, I tell you what, if you could just get this in your mind and understand that God's grace is good enough to carry you. It's good enough to cover a multitude of sins. It's good enough to sustain you. It's good enough to let you move that barrier and step over that barrier and climb over that barrier to get to the promise that he has given you. His grace is good enough. Somebody say good enough grace. Look at 2 Corinthians 11.30. If I need glory, I will glory in the things which concern mine infir infirmities. In other words, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about how weak I am is what Paul is saying. And the message I want you to understand today and walk away with is this. Do not extinguish the message of God's grace in your life. Don't extinguish it. Don't, don't, don't quench it. Don't put any water on it. That's right, brother. Let it burn. Let his grace mm, burn hot in your life. Let his grace be a constant and persistent presence in your life. Let his grace be good enough for you. Because it is good enough for you. With all your troubles, with all your trials, your woes, your mistakes, people and things coming against you, God is standing nearby saying, in your weakness, my power is made strong. My grace is good enough. My grace is good enough. So I'm a little ornery. 
So then I ask questions like, so does this mean when I'm strong that he's weak? When I'm strong, he's weak? When I decide to carry that load myself, that God's weak? That's not what it means. What it means is this. When you're strong, which is a facade, when you're strong and pretend to be strong, like you can carry all this stuff on your own, he just kind of sits back and becomes a whisper. Now, he's already a still, small voice. Now, some, some of us, though, he'd get a little loud because we kind of hard-headed. But he's already a still, small voice. So you decide to take, you decide to do things on your own and in your own power and by your own will. Not your will, God, but my will be done. When you get that kind of an attitude, then his, his voice becomes more of a whisper. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And you can't even hear the power of that statement. You can't even hear the power of that promise. You can't even hear the, 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 how significant that is. When God says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. If you want to carry it all on your own, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. <laughs> if you want to dilute God's power in your life, just go ahead and extinguish the message of grace. If you want to dilute God's power in your life, just go ahead and pretend like you've got it all together. But when you really get real with yourself, hopefully you'll come to the realization that without God, without his grace, you are just a ship tossed to and fro. You are just a, a flag waving in the wind. I laugh a lot of times about this baby tree I've got in my backyard. And on Friday night, I tell you, well, that thing was leaning way on over. Like, don't die, baby tree, don't die. Come on, when you, when you get to the point and you realize that that's you, come on, all you can do is just rely on the Lord. Amen, just become this, this flag of, God, I need you. Hey, Lord, I'm sending up the signals. I need you, Lord, I need you to cover me. I need you to, to sustain me, to put me back right up again. God, I need your strength because my strength is no longer in existence. Don't dilute the message of God's grace in your life. His grace is good enough for the rich. His grace is good enough for the poor. His grace is good enough for the downtrodden. His grace is good enough for the sinner turned saint. His grace is good enough and the saint who's for the saint who's still a sinner. Now ain't that confusing. <laughs> but his grace is good enough for them too. If his grace was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Everything he went through. If his grace was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for you. You see, it's good enough grace that erases our past. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. And you hath quickened, you hath he quickened, who were, everybody say were, dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time passed. He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse three, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were all this past tense talk and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Next verse. But God. Yeah. 
That's who I used to be. I used to be all those things. But God. Come on, we just need to go ahead and insert a but God right here. But God. People start saying, oh, oh, you remember? Brother Floyd, you remember those things you used to do? You used to be? He talked about it last week. You remember those things? All the, But God. Boop, go ahead, put that right there. You remember all those, all those, uh, all those sins you used to commit, all that weed and stuff you used to smoke, all that alcohol you used to drink? Boop, go ahead, put that right there. But God. But God. But God. But God. That's the message. But God. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. My God, I was looking over this today on my way to church and something just, just punched me right in the spirit. I tell you what, when that thing says, what does it say? He might show the exceeding riches. Let me back up. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us. In the ages to come, that's us. I know you got some grace. My beautiful bride. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I know she got some grace. Come on, I know you got some grace. Come on, stand up here. I know you got some grace. Come on and stand up here. Come on, I know you got some grace, Simon. I know you got some grace. I, you, come on, you, you, I know you got some grace. Come on and stand up right here. You can stand up right there. Watch this. That in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace. These are the exceeding riches of his grace. You who have received grace, you are the exceeding riches of his grace. Come on, every time somebody comes into the church, every time somebody decides to give their life to Jesus Christ, it's an exceeding riches. Look around. God is rich in grace. Why? Because all of us deserve to be in a, in a grave somewhere. All of us don't deserve to be forgiven of the sin and the trouble and the mistakes that we made. But look at this. We are the exceeding riches of his grace. Man, I just feel like somebody ought to be more excited than that. We are the exceeding riches of his grace. That's what I used to be. It's what I used to was. But God, now I get to be, thank you, now I get to be a part, numbered, whoop, numbered in the exceeding riches of his grace. Verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. There it is. Can't save yourself. Just go ahead and stop. Just go ahead and quit. Quit while you're not ahead. Because you can't save yourself. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the, it is the gift of God. Yes, it is. You get a car. You get a car. You get some grace. You get some grace. It's a gift. <laughs> oh, my God. God is good. You see, I believe today with every fiber of my being that good enough grace is God's greatest attribute. It's his greatest attribute. 
You see, we might argue, well, what about his love? Well, the grace comes from his love. It extends from his love. You know, because you, you have to ask yourself, you know, this, this, this God thing and the power that he has, he's destroyed this earth one time before. If we believe Genesis and we believe the, the Noahic flood, we believe all those things. We believe that they happen. That was out of his love, but it wasn't grace for the majority of those people. It was wrath. It was judgment. But who found grace in the eyes of God? Noah. So even, and really this, I guess this really even in a, a good analogy, because even in, in, the, in the story of the flood, God gave grace. It's his greatest attribute. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's only by his grace that we are saved. We put, we put all the stake and all, uh, all of the eggs, if you will, in our investment uh, basket in this thing called salvation. The only way you get it is because of his grace. It's his greatest attribute. His greatest gift. 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 His greatest gift to the world. Where we see brokenness, God sees opportunity. Where we see failure, God sees opportunity. And he's crying out. He's saying, hey, man, I know what you did. I know all things. But my grace is sufficient. It's good enough to take care of those things that you're worried about. It's good enough to cover you for those sins that you committed. It's good enough to carry you through, to get you past this, this temporary barrier in your life. But you've got to ask yourself, is God's grace good enough for you? Is his grace good enough for you? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 invites us to go boldly before the throne of grace. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, here's the promise that you get to fulfill. Here's the gift. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Go boldly to the throne of grace. Many of you know that I'm a, I, I'm a Trekkie. Yes, I love Star Trek. And I, and I know I got at least one brother here. But thank you, brother, for I appreciate that, that support and that amen. They used to say this thing. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard would say, boldly go where no man has gone before. And what I want to say to you today, you get a chance to boldly go where others have gone before. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have found ourselves in a season and in a time where we needed the grace of God. And guess what he says? You can come boldly. Come boldly. Why, why, why put the word boldly in there? Why put the word boldly in there? Because you got to understand something about God's presence. It's not to be played with. It's not to be stepped on. It's not to be made just, just this, uh, you know, oh, well, I mean, God's presence. No, 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 no. God's presence is, a, is powerful, and I've said this before. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and it's dangerous. 
because in our sin, we cannot step before him in our sin. But Hebrews gives us an invitation. It says to come boldly. Why? Because God is at this point in time sitting on a throne of grace. Man, my God. God is at this time. That's important. Sitting on a throne of grace. So if you're going to get grace, you better get it now. Because pretty soon that throne, as it has in times past, will become judgment. It will become wrath. But for now, God is sitting on that throne of grace. And Hebrews says, come on, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly where others have come and gone before. Come on and get your grace. Come on and get your blessing. Come on and get this gift that God has for you. Because when you get your grace, you can get over your problem. You can literally get over your problem. And it's there when you need it, in the time of need, and it's there because you need it. It's there when you need it, and it's there because you need it. It's his grace. It's his grace that covers me. It's his grace that keeps me. It's his grace that invites me into his presence. It's his grace that, 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 that surrounds me. The fact that I'm here standing on this platform today, breathing and preaching, it's because of his grace, because what I deserve, what you deserve, it's not grace. But yet he still, he gives it to us. Mm, come boldly. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Come on and get your grace. Nudge your neighbor and say, go get your grace. No, mean it. Like, really mean it. Like, go get your grace. Go get your grace. You see, it's good enough to cover a multitude of sins. Uh, when the righteous talk about God's grace, we lead a soul away from sin and death, and we cover a multitude of sins. That's in James 5. You can go read it later. But good enough. His grace is good enough to help you endure. As we saw by Paul's testimony, his grace is good enough to give you strength to press toward the mark, the high call. It was good enough grace that brought the Messiah to a well where he met an adulterous woman. It was good enough grace that caused the Samaritan village to be invited into God's promise of salvation. It was good enough grace that converted a Christian killer to the most influential apostle we've ever seen. It was good enough grace that brought the apostles to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. It was good enough grace that saved a troubled and worried prison keeper pastor. It was a good enough grace that gave the keys to heaven to a roughneck preacher named Peter. It was good enough grace that saved this life from sin. It was good enough grace that, that, that filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was good enough grace that set me up, amen, took me out of that, that miry clay and set me up on a rock to stay. It was good enough grace, and it's still good enough grace today that maintains me and keeps me in the faith. It's his good enough grace that covers me and protects me and keeps me and shields me. It's good enough grace that allows me to preach this word today. I can talk about it because I needed it. I can say that you need it because I know that I've needed it. And I've been a beneficiary of his grace. It's his good enough grace that sees beautiful things in broken people. Let's all stand today. Amen, you gotta understand that there is no darkness that his grace cannot light. 
There is no evil that his grace cannot conquer. There is no uncertainty that his grace cannot calm. It's good enough grace. And I invite you today as we, we, we pray, we prep our hearts to receive his grace. I invite you to come boldly to the throne of grace. And let me tell you something. I need his grace every single day. Where would I be if not for your grace carrying me in every season? That's the song in my heart. Where would I be, God, without your grace? I wouldn't be here, church. I'm just going to, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Amen. These altars are open. If you want to pray today, if you want to get the grace that God has for you, the gift, this free gift that God has for you, this grace is available. And let me tell you again, as I've said before, it's good enough for you. It's sufficient for you. You can believe that. You can take it to the bank. That's a check you can cash. His grace is worth it. His grace is good enough. His grace is sufficient for you. There is no mistake. There is no sin. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that is greater than his grace. It's good enough. It's not some cheap brand. It's not some off brand. It's the real deal. His grace is good enough for you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray today. Father, we thank you. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit AthesisChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 